Hi, Merlin. Uh, my name is Fabian Baker. I'm the managing director of Kings Rose Mining. Uh, we're an ASX listed company uh, with about $26 million in the bank, uh, trading at a roughly $45 million market cap. Uh, we formerly operated the Weilingo gold mine in Indonesia, um, but we're in the process of looking to sell that. And recently, we, we took on a more exploration-focused strategy. So we've acquired some really exciting new projects in Scandinavia, which are platinum group metals, nickel, copper focused. Uh, and the flagship of those is in, in Finland and is looking like it could be one of the highest grade uh, PGE exploration projects globally. So uh, we've got lots of exciting exploration targets to, to get our teeth into. Fabian, thank you for the introduction. Um, this is actually our second attempt at, a, at an interview <laughs> because um, we, we recorded an interview about um, five or six weeks ago and you gave me a really good introduction to the projects, which I'd like to go go through again today. But uh, since then, you've just uh, published an exploration update on um, on Pennycat in Finland. Um, so, I, I th why, why not let, let, let's start there? Let, can you introduce sure. me to Pen Pennycat as a project? First of all, how you came to it, what you've done on it so far, and then perhaps talk through the uh, news release today, which I actually haven't had a chance to look through in detail. But um, it, let's let's do that. Sort of where it started, um, what you've done, and what came out today. Sure, no problem. Well, uh, yeah, happy to have a second run through. And uh, basically, um, I joined the company a little over a year ago, and that coincided with having finished up mining uh, on the gold mine in Indonesia, which left us in this great cash position. But basically, the company needed a strategy running forwards. And so uh, I got asked to come in and we've, we've revitalized the board and we've, we've added to the management team. and We've got a much more exploration-focused um, strategy now. So um, we set about looking for new assets and we went through quite a rigorous process. And ultimately, we, we, we identified... Uh, Finland and and particularly these assets, uh, we managed to then go ahead and acquire those from a from a privately we acquired a privately owned company, which held these two assets. So one in Finland called Pennycat, and another in Norway called Porsanger. Um, so that, that that transaction closed about six months ago, and uh, so since then we've been been pulling all the historical data together and and getting our exploration plans in place. To, to go forward. So six months ago, and the, the expir expiration data, I, I've, I've worked in Scandinavia before, and they've got these, um, these great repositories of um, records, the extremely good record keeping. Uh, um, quite often, what I've found in the expiration approach in the Scandinavian regions, they would look at these tiny little windows of uh, rock that would pop out from kind of above the bog and the marsh and the, out of the forests and um, the glacial till. But they would study them. They would, they would they would kind of Swiss cheese that little that little area, and then they would keep the core in a um, yeah. in a kind of a central um, repository. So, have is is that what you've got? Have you got kind of a little windows of data which is kind of quite data rich, and then kind of big gaps between them? Yeah. Yes. I mean, you're, you're right. The the quality of the data and 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 the accessibility of it is fantastic. Um, however, it is often quite localized. It's uh, there was very much a sort of an academic let's say, approach almost to a lot of the historical work. So um, at Pennycat, for example, in Finland, um, we have the benefit of about 100 historical drill holes um, across this ore body. And uh, basically every single one of them has hit mineralization. And uh, we've, we've, we've got all of that data and then we've been able to go back into the core archives where the core is, is still sitting there today. And we've, we've resampled 
uh, and reassayed yes, um, nearly 30 of those straw holes to verify them. So they've all come back. We've announced those recently um, with, with some exceptional high grades and, and all consistent with the historical stuff. Although actually our sampling came in slightly higher grade as, as um, assay techniques have improved. And we've, we've also been able to, to assay for, for other elements. Um, and that's really important on this, this style of deposit. So it's, it's, the style of deposit is, is called a layered intrusion. Um, and it's the same style of deposit as you see down in the Bushveld complex of South Africa or the Stillwater um, intrusion in, in the US, which are the, the world's dominant PG producing um, areas. And what you, what you have there are a very large, very consistently mineralized ore bodies. Basically it's this, this big magma chamber and, and as certain minerals that are rich in these, in these PGs settle out, they basically drape the floor of the intrusion over kilometers of strike and kilometers down dip. Um, and, and they make for very large deposits. So the historical data we have, um, roughly a hundred drill holes, uh, are distributed across three of these mineralized layers that we have on our, on our tenure. And on our, on our exploration tenure, there are 25 kilometers of combined strike, strike length outcropping its surface of, of this reef style mineralization. And um, yeah. Sorry, just those layers, are they um, magmatic sulfides? I mean, is it, is it, did the, did the melt separate into a silicate melt and a, and a, and a sulfide melt? Yeah, yes, to a large extent. Um, each reef has, has its own characteristics. Um, in fact, shall I just share a quick gra uh, 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 a map and I can just show you uh, a little bit more clearly what these look like. Is that okay? Yes, yes. And the, 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 the reefs have got um, initials, um, the AJ and the, um, I, kind of, I wrote them down. Yeah. The, the, the PV and the, sorry, the AP, the SJ and the PV. That's right. Exactly. Yes. So, um in fact, this, uh, this here as well is referring to our just released exploration target, which is really exciting and, and, and lends a lot more sort of credibility to, uh, to what we're looking at here. So I'll, I'll come on to that. But, but the map here on the right essentially is showing this almost north-south trending intrusion. And, and the three layers that have been realized are called the SJ reef, the AP, and the PV, as you say. And all of these little uh, white circles are the historical drill holes. And as you can see, they sort of uh, pepper their way along portions of the strike lengths of these reefs. And then we have these diamonds here, which are basically a bit like channel samples, um, historical data also representing mineralization at surface. So the, the, the dipping to the west, presumably. Exactly. Dipping, dipping to the west. That's right. Shallow, shallow dip. The, the dip is roughly 45 degrees. Okay. The, as you can see here, this is 10 kilometers north-south. And, and if you combine the strike of the, the three reefs, it's roughly 25 kilometers. So, so a huge extent of mineralization. And just as an example, you, you know, we're talking about these historical draw holes. There are some call-out boxes here, if you can see them, where we show some of these highlight results. So 1.4 meters at 20 grams, 4E. Now, 4E is, is a term where you combine the grams per ton grade of, of platinum, palladium, rhodium, and gold. Um, yep. in, in these types of deposits, we talk about 4E or even 6E, where you add in uh, iridium and ruthenium. Um, so the full suite of, of platinum group metals. Um, so we've got some typically quite narrow, roughly one and a half meter. Down here, for example, you can see 2.6 meters at 13 grams 4E. Um, that's, that's characteristics of these types of deposits. They're, they're quite narrow, but very continuous. But very interestingly, we have on the AP reef, um, an area which we call the ballroom, which is where it thickens up to uh, here. We have 
nearly nine meters at 11 grams for E. And actually some of the, one of the historical draw holes are over 30 meters uh, of, of about five grams. So these types of feature are what are seen on the Stillwater deposit in the US. And they're, they're mm-hmm. a key feature there where basically the, this layer of draped minerals have basically slumped uh, or fallen into sort of eroded holes in the bottom of the intrusion and filled them up with this mineralization. And, and they're incredibly valuable to a, to a mining project. And so, there's no, is, is there any way that you can predict the, the, the occurrence or the repeatability? I mean, um, is there a search tool for a, for a ballroom or is it just close space drilling? There are, there are things that we can try. Um, uh, there are some geophysical techniques, but, but because this isn't a, a massive sulfide deposit, um, those, those typically don't work so well. Something that's being used increasingly is seismic to really understand the, the architecture of these things. And also seismic could give you data down to great depth because many of these deposits, similar ones in the world, are being mined down to two kilometers depth or more. So um, we can see the sort of broad architecture of the, of, of the reef um, through some seismic work, um, but really it is, it is a case of drilling. Interestingly, with this roughly 100 drill holes that you can see plotted here, um, essentially every single one of them has hit mineralization. So, so it's remarkably consistent and, and gives us a lot of confidence in our ability as we, uh, as we step out to, 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 to grow this deposit. Um, importantly, those drill holes, they only average about 43 meters deep. So um, although there are drill holes down to 300 meters uh, with, with mineralization. Can you just unpack the, the exploration target a little bit? So let's call it, um, okay, it says that, that um, 2.8 to 7.7 million ounces, 6E. How, how was that uh, calculated? Was it a kind of um, uh, a certain grade over a certain thickness kind of extrapolated? Um, was it broken down into uh, smaller segments kind of related, spatially related to the data you've got and then kind of projected over the 10 kilometers. Now, what was the, what was yep. the thought process behind the justification for that exploration target? Sure. Yeah. Well, as you say, uh, as you, as you see here, it, it's totaled an impressive sort of uh, range in terms of, of, of ounces, con, con, combined ounces, but particularly grade. And I'll, I'll come on to that because the grade is, is really exceptional. Um, but in terms of how it was, how it was uh, estimated, um, we have the benefit of this data over, and it's got a good broad distribution. So, so, so that's very helpful, helpful from a statistical point of view that we can see consistent mineralization over many kilometers of strike length off, off the basis of those. So it's given us a good data set in, in, to interrogate and understand what are our average grades and average thicknesses. So um, the, the QP who, who independently worked on this, he came out to the project. He also went into the core shed um, and, and he, by the way, has over 30 years experience um, based in South Africa, working with the major PG producers down there. So we wanted to, 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 to bring in an expert who lives and breathes these types of deposits. So, so he works with the likes of, of Anglo-American, uh, Sibania Steelwater, and, and, and the major, reefs, uh, major projects down in, um, in South Africa. So he knows these types of things very well. And because of how they form, uh, this, this lends to this very consistent grade and thickness generally across these these deposits so the combination of the amount of data we have and the style of geology means that whereas a lot of these exploration targets often calculated can be as i say quite arm wavy uh you know a real unknown 
I think here we're dealing with with a, a, a quite a good level of of, of data and, and understanding to have some confidence in this. And so, yeah, he looked at the ranges of thicknesses, grades, um, managed to apply varying um, specific gravity to to the known types of rocks here to to come up with ranges, upper and lower ranges, um, statistically. And then what we looked at is essentially we we took all of the drill results that were over uh, one gram at one meter. And we looked at what percentage of those, uh, what, sorry, which percentage of drill holes actually hit uh, over that, 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 that threshold. Um, and we essentially took the, the map strike length of these reefs and we then uh, applied that as a sort of a discounting factor. So, for example, on the SJ reef, we had a little over 65% of the drill holes, I believe, that, that intersected that sort of grade. And so we took the full strike length of the, that reef and then reduced it down by that percentage to say, you know, statistically, we expect that percentage of the reef to, to be above those grades and thicknesses. So we also applied top cutting. We have very high grades here. So, so we've top cut the, uh, the high grade so that they don't have such an influence on, on the grade. Um, and so overall, I think it's been a pretty rigorous approach and, and you know, fairly conservative. Uh, and actually, one important point to make, we didn't include the AP roof reef at all in this announcement. Um, the drilling on the AP reef versus the others is more localized. And so we felt that there's not a good enough statistical sort of representation of that along strike. So, so this really pretty impressive result is just based on the PV and the SJ reef. There are eight kilometers of AP reef that wasn't included. And it was only extrapolated down to 500 meters depth, whereas we have seismic data and um, analogous deposits around the world that, that indicate that these will often go down, you know, one to two kilometers or more. Um, when you say 500, 500 meters of depth, do you mean a down dip extent? N no, it is 500 meters vertically, which is a little over 700 meters down dip. Ah, the hypotenuse on a 45 degree. That's right. Uh, triangle. <laughs> yeah, um, exactly. And, and there's a reason for that. And I, I don't want to go into it too much, but we have this excellent sort of scenario where the mineralization is outcropping. Now, most of these deposits mined globally today are very, very deep, as I mentioned. And, and one of the most impressive sort of current developments is Ivanhoe's Platte Reef. And they've had to sink a thousand meter shaft just to get into the ore body. And that's a very expensive thing to do. Here, here we're looking at outcropping mineralization that could be potentially mined via a decline, uh, which is a lot more efficient and cheaper in terms of capex. And declines, according to the, the mining engineers we've had working with us on this, are generally effective down to about 500 meters vertical. Right. Okay. There we go. Um, and what about... Um tackling the kind of the top bit in an open pit? I mean, because Moglaquena, I think, is an open pit, isn't it, in South Africa? Yeah. Look, from our point of view, it doesn't really fit um, our strategy. You know, we, we've, we've taken on projects in Scandinavia. Um, we are, let's say, better financed than most juniors, and we've had the benefit of being a, an operating mining company. So we really understand the value of um, essentially best practice in terms of ESG or sustainability in mining. And so our, our goal in the region is really to focus on, on assets that, that tick that box as well. So really what we're looking for is high-grade underground operations that, that can minimize the surface footprint, minimize the, you know, the scale of infrastructure generally needed to, to process that, um, and you know, I think therefore have a much better chance of, of being permitted. 
Okay, interesting. Um, and, now, <clears throat> go on. Sorry, before we finish up on the expiration target, I think one of the most sort of uh, descriptive things that, that we can do here is look at this grade tonnage plot that we've we've produced. Now, you have grade on the on the left, which is again total precious metal. So we're looking here at combined grade of platinum, palladium, gold, rhodium, etc. Um, and we have tonnage on a lock scale uh, along the bottom. The the faded uh, icons are expiration stage projects, whereas the, the full color ones are currently in production. Um, so when you look at this also uh, noted with, with jurisdiction, basically most of the world's production comes from South Africa. And then the other big one is Norilsk in Russia that produces 40% of, uh, of the world's palladium. Um, most of the expiration projects today sit in this lower end here at the sort of one to two gram region. Um, it's quite interesting to note how there are basically no, like, other than, and you, I think you just mentioned this one, there are no deposits really in production today, sub roughly three grams. Um, most of these are higher grade deposits that are mined underground. Um, and if you look where our exploration target plots us, and this is looking at the, the upper and lower ranges of, of grade and tonnage, we're in a really nice spot here where we straddle this 5 million ounce um, sort of curve here, um, but substantially higher grade than anything being explored for today. Um, and, you know, working our way to, to greater tonnages through, through further exploration potential. Is the, 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 that's the Finnish um, Suhanko uh, mm -hmm. below the line there. That, that's not, is, is that Sakati or not? Is that the, the renamed Sakati? Uh, no, actually, uh, that, that, that Sahanko is a, another PGE deposit that was discovered by Goldfields and acquired by a, a private equity fund um, who, are, who are taking that through to feasibility at the moment. And actually, as a sort of open pit target, that, you know, that is probably one of the best higher grade, large open pit PGE things um, today. Okay. But, but this really tells a story here because production is dominated by Russia and South Africa today. Um, and, you know, for obvious reasons, you know, unfortunately, um, supply from, from Russia is no longer desirable. Um, and a lot of these South African mines are really becoming quite challenged. They're, they're getting deep, lower grade, very narrow. Uh, and also the, the grades are, are, are tending to decline because they've been in production for a long time. Not to also forget the fact that they're, they're currently hit by a lot of issues in terms of power outages and, and labor issues. So. So what we have here is, is you know, potentially the highest grade PGE deposit globally um, of, of real scale potential and sitting in Finland uh, where we can look at domestic supply within the EU um, of what is defined by the EU as a critical metal. Um, and, and they have a, an action plan on critical metals to support the development of, of just this type of asset. So, so that's where we hope we, we can really fit in line with uh, that, that requirement from the EU. Um, and I, I see Stillwater's up there at the top, you know, off the chart. Stillwater is, is exceptional, yes. Uh, off the charts at 13 grams um, and, yeah, acquired not too long ago by Sivania Stillwater. Yeah. Oh, thank you. That's a really great um, slide. Could you just go back to the, to the one before? I just wanted to ask a question about um, structure because I can see that the, there are these um, clear kind of uh, almost east-west faults which have kind of sliced up the, the the reef into kind of various portions um presumably there's pv reef off to the 
to the west of where that kind of 10 kilometer bar is, but that's outside of your license area. Yeah, actually, that, that appears to have been eroded um, off the top of the intrusion, uh, in fact. Um, so, yes, you're right. There, there are these uh, cross-cutting faults that does offset the mineralization. Um, again, th these deposits, because of how they formed, uh, in addition to the, the mineralized reef, there are a lot of other layers. And so you can use these to, as reference points to understand where you are in the intrusion. So it's quite easy through mapping and, and logging drill holes to basically understand the, essentially the stratigraphy of, uh, of the intrusion. Um, and, and, and understand and predict where you're going to hit mineralization. So this, again, is just giving us a real advantage when it comes to, to exploring this because we can, we can really uh, understand where to drill and where we're likely to hit grade. And, of course, in, in underground mining, that, um, um, when you're in very broken ground, if, not, I'm not saying that this is broken ground, but the more sure. continuous your ground is, the easier it is, and the more broken it is, the harder it is. And I think in South Africa, they've also got potholes as well. So... Um, you know, obviously yep. what you're going to be looking for is the, the most continuous bits, the more ballrooms, you know, at the, the, the good end, you've got ballrooms and con continuity and at the, at the bad end, you've got broken ground and um, potholes. Um, Absolutely. You know, and you're obviously in the very early stages of this, but, you know, have you encountered uh, the, the kind of the, the potholes and the broken ground kind of elements of the, well, the, the, this? Uh, based on what we know so far, um, we, we haven't seen evidence of these potholes which are, are eroding out. Yeah, it's basically a new influx of, of unmineralized magma that sort of uh, carves its way through the mineralization and, and, and scallops out um, that, that section. No, we haven't seen that yet. It, and it's remarkably consistent how, how all of these drill holes hit, great. So that's, that's looking good. Um, yes, there, there are these structures and you're right, from a mining point of view, um, that continuity is, is important. Um, the, the intrusion itself, although we, we do see these, these large-scale faults that are offsetting it, it itself forms quite a sort of resistant block within the, within the host geology. Um, and so our interpretation is, you know, over the years, as things have been pushed and pulled, um, that as a whole should have stayed reasonably rigid um, and, 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 and held together. But it, it is one of the, the key things that basically through our own exploration drilling um, that, that we'll have to define. And, you know, I, I think it's a really uh, insightful comment that you make, and it, and it lines up exactly with the, the advice we've had from day one from, from some of the experts on these types of deposits that actually you're not, you're not so much looking for grade because it's there. Uh, it's very, these things are very big and continuous. Really, you're, you're very quickly looking at the, these other parameters that, that help you understand how how the mine might operate. Um, before I get onto kind of work plans, just kind of one more, just for geological curiosity, um, have you identified kind of a uh, a crustal suture that the, the point where the, 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 there was the flow, and is it a dike or is it a kind of a um, a circular feature, and is there therefore another edge to this that you could look for? Yeah. And, uh... That is one of the hypotheses. So to just to the south of this, um, and actually another benefit for us is um, to the south, about 10 kilometers is uh, what's called the Kenny mine. It's a chrome mine, uh, which is actually within an extension of the same sort of belt of intrusions. Um, it's operated by Otokumpu. It's one of the largest underground mines in Europe. Um, and, and they there do see a sort of a, a, an evolution from quite flat lying mineralization to a sort of a steeper dike-like uh, hosted uh, mineralization. So, so there's sort of evidence of 
of that sort of architecture of of, of these sort of conduits uh, that the the magma may have travelled through before entering into this sort of larger um, magma chamber. Um, and there are some sort of academic hypotheses around some of the walls of these uh, this Panicat intrusion hosting a sort of a, an accumulation of very high grade um, PGEs, uh, which isn't so flat lying and it's more sort of like a, a larger sort of blob essentially or, or with a more vertical sort of structural control to it. Um, so, you know, there's a, there's a lot for us to go out and, and explore for. Um, but at this point, you know, what, what we know based on, on this, this data is, is this sort of continuous flat line, or, um, yeah. probably like sheet-like reefs. Yeah. And um, as you were giving the answer, I was thinking, well, maybe that, you know, that people can do their PhDs on that at some time in the future while you're busy exploring this. Absolutely. And, and actually, we're, we're already sort of um, just, you know, as an aside, working with local universities um, on, on some of our work here, just trying to sort of bring them into the fold in terms of what we're doing, um, because it, it all helps build our relationships and, and sort of standing in country. Um, and just on that, you, you know, you talked about kind of mapping the, the intrusion architecture through seismic as a potential kind of route um, uh, forward. But, uh, you know, there, there's huge progress being done on kind of seismic tomography, understanding kind of deeper uh, crustal architecture and those primary um, first order of magnitude kind of structures that kind of have, have control fluid flow, um, the, the metallogenic scale. But anyway, so, but you you don't need to do that. You've got, 10Ks of strike um, to focus on. Tell me what the plan is for this year and what you're aiming to do in terms of your understanding and also kind of the delivery of news flow for the market. Sure. Well, one of the key things to note here is that um, currently what we have here are called exploration reservations or, or applications. Basically, we're still in that process where we're permitting the right to drill. Now, in Finland, they have a really sophisticated and, and stable uh, mining law, but, but getting to the point of an exploration license for us is an extended process because quite a lot of this area is covered by what's called a Natura 2000 designation, which is a, an EU-wide designation, covers about 16% of the EU um, for just heightened in environmental importance. And, and off to the, the east of, of, of our intrusion here, there's, um, there's a wetland um, with some important wildlife. So what we're doing in order to, to permit drilling here is a series of surveys this summer. So they're underway today. Uh, we've got um, people in the field surveying various um, species of flora and fauna. Um, and all of this basically gets pulled together with our exploration plans um, and our drilling plans into a document that we submit later this year. Um, and ultimately that should be uh, approved and, and our exploration license issued towards the middle of, of next year, allowing us to basically drill towards the end of 2023. Because what we're going to be doing is making a commitment to drill when there's snow cover here um, to protect uh, and, and mitigate any, any impact on, on the flora. So that, that, that drilling is likely to, to commence in December, 2023. So there's, there's, a, there's a bit of lead time before we can get to that point. Um, hence, we've done such a, a sort of thorough amount of work on the on the historical data to really ensure that we are absolutely confident in the in the in the huge potential of, of the deposit. Well, one other thing we do, we have been able to do, so we've been able to get back into core shed and resample a, 
a number of the drill holes which which have been released and and people can see those those results um, we're also doing a bit of mineralogy, mineralogical test work to really understand the makeup of of, of the mineralization um, because again one of the things that we really like about Pennycat and it comes back to that grade tonnage chart I showed you looking at the industry you, you could see how to production today is is coming from these higher grade operations and and in fact the smelters that are built to produce these platinum group metals are built next door to those mines. And so they are built around that type of um, product. And so what, what, again, what we see is, is, is really compelling about Pennycat and its high grade and similarity to some of those producers is that it should produce uh, a concentrate um, and, and should have met, um, sorry, uh, mineralogical similarities to those projects, which is, which is a huge plus because a lot of lower grade operations might struggle to get the sort of grade concentrates uh, and um, the sort of premium quality of those that is suitable for smelting capacity today. Do you have nickel and um, um, uh, copper in, in here as well? Absolutely. Yeah. Um, it was less routinely sampled for historically, so that's why it wasn't included in this exploration target. But um, particularly on the PV reef, we're seeing a, a really strong sulfide signature with, with good nickel and copper grades there. Again, if you look through our historical um, draw results you'll, that we resampled, they, they come through in that. And actually, we, we frequently see 0.2 to 0.6% nickel and similar grades of copper, so really meaningful, um, meaningful credits that um, you know, it had to this already impressive grade profile yeah interesting good and um so what can you can you do any lidar work can you do kind of any um any mapping in in the next um year or so yeah so so we are what we are doing is is basically mapping we have all of this historical data that that tells us where the reefs are at least where where they've been sampled but going forwards what what we're planning to do um is essentially get out there and map it for ourselves you know we, we want to make the most of this we've got this delay until we can drill but but let's let's do as much good work as we can to um to support future drilling so so we're getting in the field this summer we're going to have a team mapping all of these reefs and particularly looking for structure as well as as, as you um, picked up on um, so we should have that well understood before we have to start drilling and that means our drill program when we do come to it should be very, very aggressive and focused. So we're looking to put yeah. at least four rigs onto it immediately, um, yeah. look to get 15 to 20,000 meters drilled right away um, and be able to work towards a multi-million ounce resource even within a one season's drilling. Good. One final question. How much outcrop is there and what's the kind of the cover like? Um, uh, you, you mentioned this before. I mean, Finland's very flat and there's not a lot of outcrop. Because this intrusion is quite resistant, we have a bit more than the, the most of the area. But still, it's probably about 10% outcrop um, across the across the deposit. But it is enough to, I mean, really all of the um, all of the sort of channel sampling that we have historically uh, that has managed to trace the reefs over quite a few kilometers. You know, it's based on outcrop, so there is quite a lot yeah. we can go on. Yeah, good. Well, take, take your um, mosquito repellent and your your bug spray. <laughs> <laughs> yep, yep. Well, you know, it's not uh, it's not 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 too rough down there actually, and. Um, you know, we're, we're right by the port of Kemi, which is the major industrial port in, in the north of Finland there. And it's where there's a major steelworks and all of the regions sort of northern northern Finland and into Norway's um, forestry timber um, gets shipped out of. So we've, that's a great benefit. Within 10 kilometers of, of this project, we've got an existing mine um, 
and a major port and all the infrastructure that goes with that. So um, we're, and, and we're, do, we're well located. And do the geos uh, stay in Kemi? That's right. Kemi. Well, Kemi, uh, we're, we're working that out at the moment. There are smaller towns even closer to, to the project. Um, so, you know, we're working closely within those communities, hiring locally um, in terms of our team. And, uh, you know, as, as they should be, these, these projects should be run and feel like you know, local operations. Yeah, absolutely. Good. Um, thank you. Uh, that's that's great about Pennycat. Let's can we can we jump to um, Porsanger, please, in northern Norway? Sure, sure, absolutely. Um, so it's, it's 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 the bit of Norway that goes right over the top, isn't it? That's right, exactly, exactly. Um, do you mind if I share a screen again briefly? Let, let's um, do it. Okay, just again as a recap. So uh, Finland here, where where our Pennycat project is, um, by the town of Kemi, and then we head further north, right to the far north of Norway, and that's where where Porsanger is. Um, situated in, in Norway. Um, and I'll skip past those Pennycat slides again to show you a little more on this. So again, it's a, it's a project where there's a lot of historical data. However, the geological model here is a bit less well understood. What we know so far is within our, our tenements, which uh, these five blocks here are our exploration licenses. Um, these extend roughly 10 kilometers east-west and four kilometers north-south. Um, is that there are two mineralized intrusions. One's called the Porsland Prospect and the other Karenhagen, at the east and the west. Um, now, these have seen some historical drilling. Uh, and these uh, Porsanger returned some pretty impressive, uh, you know, initial results and, and basically from mm. surface. So, so here we're looking at uh, 40, 50 meters um, in excess of a gram palladium and platinum combined. Um, and, you know, the, the, these intervals, as you see, we, we note them again here in the bullet points, upwards of uh, 75 meters thick of, of consistent um, sort of moderate grade uh, PG mineralization. And then in addition to those, all of these triangles uh, scattered across this map are basically rock, rock samples for copper. And, and the copper grades are spectacular. Um, you know, we note a few very high grade examples through here. Um, obviously, these are grab samples, so they're selective, and you can you can pick up some some high grades. But you can follow certain stratigraphy for a combined strike that's sampled of about ten kilometers, and and I'd imagine they join up um, with with this copper mineralization. Now, that in itself isn't actually our primary target. Um, what we're seeing there are certain layers of of overlying rocks that are clearly um, uh, a, a preferred horizon for a chemical property or a structural property um, for this copper to basically come out of solution and, and, and crystallize within. Um, but, but each copper occurrence themselves are, are sort of a few tens of meters across and, and, and held in these sort of tension gashes and veins within, within those overlying sediments. Um, so, so we had this curious setup, two intrusions, mm. broad, scale mineralization, and then this copper sampling. And, and these two generations of these, these two things are being explored in two separate generations of work. So there was some people who went out and looked at this copper and people who went and, and drilled for the PGEs. Now, um, we actually have currently today, we have a, a number of the drill holes um, in the lab uh, for reassay, just like we did at Pennycat. So those results will be coming out in the coming few weeks. Um, but from the rock chip sampling that we did as part of our due diligence, we were picking up elevated copper and nickel along with those PGEs. So these, 
probably are not two distinct separate events. They're related. And, and essentially what, what we think we've got here are, um, you know, intrusions that are fertile and mineralized that are probably the, you know, the, the, the drivers of, and of introducing mineralization into this, into this area. And, and a lot of this copper is probably distal smoke that, that, that might be sort of indicative of a, of a mineralized intrusion at depth. Uh, really interesting. Just, just looking at that cross-section, the, the PGE mineralization, is that within an ultramafic? Yes, it is. It's, it's an ultramafic intrusion. Um, and they look like um, these sort of conduit pipes. Now, uh, there's actually a PhD being written on this area at the moment. And interestingly, uh, these intrusions have been dated as the same age and therefore we believe part of the same sort of broad scale event um, as Sakati, the major Anglo-American discovery in Finland, which is probably the highest grade, largest sulfide nickel copper PGE discovery of the last decade or so. Um, so, so we're really encouraged that this is in the same belt of rocks as, as Sakati and other nickel deposits, um, and, and along with these sort of early indications that we're seeing. So, so, so the, the target here for us is, is high-grade massive sulfide nickel copper along with PGEs. So starting um, actually in the current next couple of days is an EM geophysical survey over these two intrusions. And, and essentially that's going to look for um, highly conductive, essentially massive sulfide bodies um, at depth within these conduits, because essentially the model is, and this is similar to Sakati or other um, similar deposits around the world, like um, Lundin's Eagle Mine uh, in the US, is what you have is these, these conduits bringing in uh, fertile magmas and you get um, these sulfides coming out of solution, rich in nickel, copper, PGEs, and essentially these blobs settle and they, they sort of uh, settle into embayments on the, on, the, on the lower contact of these intrusions. So, so that's essentially what we're looking for. We're seeing evidence that we've got all those ingredients and, and the EM survey should pick up those, those conductors that we can target in drilling. And is the Karen prospect dipping to the west or to the centre of that area? They, they do both appear to be dipping towards the centre. Um, Porsvan certainly towards the towards the east, uh, towards the yeah. centre. Karen Haugen a little bit more towards the south southeast. Okay. So yes, essentially yeah. central. So yes, yeah, um, it, uh, yeah, it's it's quite interesting because it does seem to be a uh, a broad syncline, sort of a bowl shape. And so in the middle you've got the thicker, younger layers, and then you're seeing the yeah. older rocks on the on the side, yeah. which yeah. which may well be dipping in and um, you know indicating the same potential in the middle there. Yeah. Um, and although in the bushveld, they've never got to the middle, you know, it's, it's, it's so big and it's so deep that they're, they're still, they're still on the limbs, but it, it, it potentially is, um, Western, a Western feature, Porsvan and an Eastern feature, uh, Karenhagen, um, of potentially some, um, central fluid, um, source, but uh, just, just, just going back to that, that, that cross-section is, is, is that, and it, the PGE mineralization in the ultramafic, is that an intrusion into surrounding ultramafics or is it part of a um kind of a, a a package which can probably accumulated uh, you know does it age to the to the um, northeast up screen or is that pge layer younger than the surrounding host rock yeah i, I see what you say so 
I think what you know what you're getting at is you know kamatiite style sort of deposits of this type are sort of lava flows that that are basically sort of layer upon layer and and build up you know so so they go from oldest to youngest as you as you sort of um, head up through the stratigraphy. Some of the early sort of um, interpretations of this suggested that to us, and we were quite excited. Um, but but actually, what what we think we're seeing here is is that the intrusions are slightly younger. Um, so so they're right. they're coming in and punching through uh, okay. this. So. If I'm honest, this this cross section is sort of developed on some of the historical thinking, and and as our team are out there in the field, although this looks like a sort of a tabular um, body in in section, actually what we're seeing in plan view is this is more like a sort of a conduit plug that's that's coming up through through the the, the sedimentary package. Okay, gotcha. So it's all it's all stuff that we've got to you know get our heads around. Yeah, think, yeah. You know, we've got a great start. We know where where we can focus our, our initial exploration. And so we've got this EM survey um, underway basically at the moment. Um, and then that'll refine our drill, drill, drill planning. And we hope to get a drill rig into the area in September, October time to, to put the first couple of thousand meters into uh, testing uh, any conductors uh, in, the, in the EM survey. So we'll see that, that project move forward this year. And just looking at the, the way that the, the rivers are flowing and the lakes, that looks as if it's kind of quite a, a flat line um area quite kind of quite peneplain um so boggy again better for drilling in the winter than in the summer yeah um we don't have the same sort of strict restrictions as we do in finland um that we that we need to drill in the winter in finland here we can look at working year round so essentially i think what you need to generally avoid is is too much of the shoulder months um you either want it really nice and cold and frozen or 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 sort of more in the summer um and yeah, the area is, is quite flat. It's essentially, you've got high hills on either side. So it, it seems like you've got a bit of a graben essentially, um, but this is quite a flat un, undulating area. So you have a mix of, of quite good outcrop um, and then a series of small lakes and streams, streams between. Um, but uh, there, there are quite a few sort of access trails and hiking trails and things through, through this area. The, the other thing we're doing in terms of timing is we're working really closely with, with the local reindeer herders. So, um, this region's an important uh, region for reindeer herding as part of the indigenous Sami culture. And what, what, what we've really made an effort to do is engage with them very early on. So before we've started our geophysics uh, or, or drilling, we've, we've spent time with them. I, in fact, personally went in the field uh, with them and skidoos, um, providing feed to the herd and, and just understanding their way of life. So... In fact, we wanted to do some of our geophysical um, uh, work in March, but we've actually deferred it till now because it was an important area for, for, the, for the reindeer herd to, to migrate through. So what, what we see, though, is through, through having that longer term view um, and, and engagement with, with those communities is it, it can hopefully unlock a, a sort of successful route for us to work in the area. And, and there's an entire belt to the south of this project that links up with Anglo's Sakati deposit which has these same considerations um, for, for the, the indigenous use of the land. Um, and again, so, you know, we hope we can, we can pull together a model of cooperation with, with the local reindeer herders um, that can give us sort of a bit of a USP and, and access to this, to this area for exploration. Yeah. Yeah. Got it. Um, one final question, I, I, I think on this, um, have you seen the core and have you, is it fresh and can you see, kind of pentlandite and um, 
chalcopyrite and well you've got a bleb of chalcopyrite uh, at the top of the screen there so this is right. actually a, not a great resolution image but it's some of it this is from from the core and essentially it is sulfide and yes you can see sulfide pentlandite chalcopyrite um, along with some pyrite and so on but yeah it's uh, it's clearly a sort of disseminated sulfide mineralization and you, and you, we are starting to see these sort of sulfide clots which which again when we look at the geochemistry and we look at, at that in the core is is the clue that we've had sulf sulfur saturation therefore as sulfur saturations occurred you've you've had these sulfide minerals come out of solution um, and that's exactly what we want to see is because that's then the potential for these to basically these globules of sulfides to sink down through the melt and um, you know hopefully form a, a, a cohesive massive sulfide body at depth well we have a lot going on and and as I say the you know the company all historically was focused on the, the the Waylingo mine, and, and that's now in a, in a divestment process. So we're currently sitting with a little over $26 million Australian in the bank. We look to sell that project and further add to our treasury and also retain a royalty uh, on future production there. So um, I think we're in quite an uh, enviable position, and there are very few juniors in, in, in such a spot where um, in turbulent markets at the moment, we have a first-class team really well-funded and some, some excellent projects to, that we can move forward without the need to raise further capital and, and, and incur dilution. And in the meantime, we, we feel there's a spot probably for one other asset in, in the portfolio. So we, we have a really active team doing due diligence on opportunities, generating targets. And, and so that may well um, produce fruit um, over the coming six to 12 months. And, and again, we'll be looking for similar, similar opportunities where there's, there's enough data to give us a, a really clear geological concept and a, and a starting point but but pre that resource so we can really ride that discovery and resource uh, delineation value curve um through through advancing these projects well fabian thank you very much um i understand both those projects even better now having gone through it for a second time i i learned with repetition um <laughs> no pleasure to talk to you melon and uh you know nice to share in a bit more um, sort of detail what, what we're doing. Great. I look forward to um, the, the news updates as they come through. Many thanks. Bye.